So I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Good morning, Identity Church. You know, one of the things that I wanted out of this um, out of this testimony Sunday is I want people to see what God has done in people's lives. I mean, I think it's important for each and every one of us to build our faith up. You know, it's really awesome when we when we hear about God's word and, and God's word is awesome. But, you know, it's also amazing. And I'm talking about amazing when you hear about the things that God's done in people's lives. You know, I think that there's more things God has done in people's lives that we don't even realize God has done. That's a problem if you're a Christian. Because that means that you don't either know or you forget And we need to ever bring this before ourselves and remember what God has done. Because God is building upon your life. And if he's still having to send you around the same places and do the same things over and over and over again, it means you didn't learn the same lesson, right? And a testimony is a testament. It's a witness. In fact, the word testimony actually in the Greek is martis. Martius. And Martius is where we get the word martyr from. How about that? See, a lot of times people think, well, a martyr is somebody who died for a cause. That's not true. Being a martyr is being someone who testified that something happened and they killed him for it. See, that's what you need to understand about being a martyr is the fact that when you do your testimony, you're going to build some people up and you're going to cause some people to want to kill you. Hopefully not today. Uh, Oh, all people giving testimonies today, we're not going to do that, okay? I'm just... But what I want you to understand about this, what now? the stones are outside. But see, what I want you to understand, and I'm going to do this really quick because I think it's important for us to understand something. In Revelation chapter 12, John is being shown in heaven when Jesus was born and also what Jesus did. And what we have to realize is that when Jesus was born and he came to the earth, there was no longer the accuser of the brethren. In fact, in in Revelation 12, we actually see in the spirit what happened the moment that Jesus actually came and started his ministry on earth. See, we know in Job that Satan had access to God. He got to go talk in God's ear about Job, right? Well, that was the way it was all the way until Jesus came to this earth. And then there was a great battle. And that great battle kicked Satan out. And see, after Satan got out, now he no longer accuses God of the thing or accuses you to God He comes and accuses you of you. I'm going to say that again because if you don't understand that. See, Satan's constantly in your ear. The devils are constantly in this world trying to tell you you're not good enough. You don't have enough. You'll never be enough. See, that's what he tried to do with God every single time when it came to a prophet, when it came to somebody in Israel. He went back to God and said, look, your servant, he's no good to me. Well, God, when when Jesus came to this earth, he kicked him out and said, I don't want to listen to it no more. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the author and the finisher of our faith was born, and I no longer have to listen to the bull that is being given to me. I have to listen to my son. That's good stuff right there. So that's where we're at in Revelation 12. I just want to read this this scripture right here. And it says um, in verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength is and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ has come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And in verse 11, and it says, and they, all the people overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. See, John himself When he was seeing all this, he was seeing God let him in on the secret. And then John let us in on the secret. That in the spiritual world, things are happening. We don't even know it. When you're testifying of the things that God has put in your life, when you're testifying about all these different things, then what ends up happening is is that you are absolutely and totally overcoming. Because you've already moved past the thing, and now you're testifying and witnessing of how good God is. I'm going to give you one more scripture. How many people like um, John 3.16? Everybody like John 3.16? Everybody should. It's probably the only scripture some people know. But anyway, and it says, you know, everybody loves John 3.16, but we don't get to the end. After Jesus had already talked to Nicodemus, and he had told Nicodemus all the things about being born again. Then Jesus goes out and he starts, uh, in fact, in like verse 22, it says that he goes out to the land of Judea and he starts baptizing people and ministering to people. And John's disciples don't like it. John, John the Baptist's disciples is like, hey, this guy is taking all your notoriety. And John said, hey, I need to walk away and he needs to grow. And this is what he says. I think this is so awesome about a testimony here. And John had, tells his, his disciples, he said, in verse 30, he says, I must increase, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. He who comes from above is all in all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And in verse 32, this is the awesome part about the testimony. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies, talking about Jesus, and no one receives his testimony. So he's saying, hey, Jesus is coming and giving a testimony of who God is and what he's wanting to do in the earth, and no one's wanting to receive it at this moment. But then he comes back and says this, and this is the awesome part. And it says here in verse 33, and it says, he who has received his testimony, Jesus' testimony, has certified that God is true. See, I want you to understand a testimony is a not just the overcoming part, but it certifies that God is true. Who's he true to? It's the one who testifies. Maybe I need to say it again. See, if you, if you are testifying of the goodness of God and the things that God is wanting to do in your life, 
then you are certifying it. You're writing it on your heart. You're sealing it. You're creating the opportunity for you to never forget it. It is truth. Does it mean that it's truth for someone else? It could be. But see, that's not what, that's not what a testimony does. See, a testimony testifies to those around you, but it also certifies that it's true in your heart. See, when you throw your pearls before the swine, it doesn't matter. See, if you're looking for agreement from the world, you're not going to find it. But when you testify of the goodness of God and you don't care what anybody thinks about it, you know it's true, you're going to stand on the hill, you'll die for it, you'll do whatever then guess what's going to happen? You are going to know it's true. Your heart is established. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to call Miss Sue up. And she's got an awesome testimony, by the way. I just hope she's not afraid of our lights. That, that's what makes everybody afraid. I stand here. Do not look at the lights. You're going to be... Do not. Do not look at the lights. I'm tell, look, look. And so you will speak here, but if you need anything, just let me know. I'll be over here on the side. Well, I've waited two years to share my testimony because my testimony is God's healing power. But uh, let me start off with telling you I have the blessings of Abraham. I'm blessed in every way. He has, and I get emotional, but he has been so good to me. Um, he restored my marriage. He healed me. And he blessed my finances. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, but today, I thought, when you're as old as I am, your testimony gets longer. It should get longer and longer. And uh, I'm so full of stories. I have so many stories to tell. Some of them are pretty good. So maybe I'll get another chance to tell you my love story. But today I feel like the Lord's leading me to tell you about healing because we know that I don't know if any of you are here today and you have pain in your body or you've been praying uh, for the Lord to heal you, but I'm here to tell you he is the healer. And they have pictures of what happened, what about my healing. But let me just tell you, in 2016, I, a little place came on my lip. Not quite that bad, not the first picture, but I ignored it. And every once in a while it'd bleed, and it'd get sore, and I still ignored it. And I'd cover it with a little makeup, and I just kept going. Well, in 2019... It had just a little raw place on my lip. And I thought right then, I thought, I'm in trouble. I should have gone when it was the little dot. And I thought, they'll take a big chunk out of my lip, and I want that be pretty. And I thought, mm-mm, the Lord's going to heal me. He's going to heal me. And when that happened, I began to talk to the Lord about it, and I'd say, Lord, I know you can heal my lip. But I really didn't know if he would or not. I knew he could, but I didn't know if he would. I didn't know at that time it was already healed. I didn't know that part. So anyway, uh, I cried. 
I begged him, I pleaded, and with no success. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? And it really bothered my husband. He said, please go see about your lip. And I work in a preschool. Now, the preschoolers, they loved it. They loved gross stuff. They wanted to touch it. They'd study it. And they'd ask me questions about it. And I'd say, uh, they call me Nana. I said, Jesus is going to heal Nana. I said, this is going to be gone. Okay, they said. They believe it. They believe what you tell them. And uh, so anyway, we had two preschool parents, and they said, Nana, please, we know a good doctor. And I said, no, the Lord's going to heal me. And they didn't get anywhere. And then there was my brother, and he said, you have got to go to a doctor. That's ridiculous. You need to see a doctor. And I said, no, the Lord's going to heal me. Now, my brother is a liberal, and I'm sure at that time he didn't even believe in healing. So anyway, but uh, it was, I started watching Andrew Womack, and I watched his healing, his sermons on healing, and I watched the people that uh, watched some of their videos, but you know, that was somebody else, it wasn't me. And I thought, could this happen for me? And of course, Amy went to Karis, and she was like Dusty. She'd come home and share with us everything she was learning. We were learning. So I, I did know a little bit about healing. And in 2000, I mean, it was October of 2021, you went to Colorado, and she, um, she bought the healing package, the, the healing university. And she came home, and she said, Now, Mama... We're going to watch one of these a day. And I said, okay. Well, when she got off from work, she'd come up to my house, and we'd get quiet, and I got warm and was listening to those sweet voices, and I'd go to sleep. And she'd say, Mama, wake up and listen to this. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm hearing them. I hear it. Well, now, I didn't go to sleep every time, and I'm not sure who the speakers were that I did go to sleep. But anyway, uh, she, uh, we watched those videos, and we'd do what they told us. We'd pray over my lip. We spoke to my lip. Speaking to it is a major thing. She'd speak to my lip. She'd pray over my lip. And uh, by his stripes, I am healed. And if I said that one time a day, I said it a million times a day. That I was healed. So, um, let's see, let me, I kind of lost my train of thought. Five weeks later, after we started watching those videos, it was November the 14th, and I looked in the mirror, and that thing was gone. Now, I want you to look at the pictures. It went through so many stages, and y'all, it was painful. Very painful. Now, I could wear a mask because COVID was raging. So I didn't have to worry about when I was out in public because I could cover that thing up. But at home, I didn't wear it at home and I didn't wear it at work. But you can see that's one of the first stages. And I don't know if you can see that third picture. Uh, But it had eaten the whole side of my lip off. 
and it was going up into my nose. There was a hole forming, and, uh, but I wouldn't stop believing. I kept believing. And when I looked in that mirror, and that thing was gone, I looked in the mirror again. I thought, am I looking in the right mirror? I looked in the mirror again and again and again. And it was gone. There was a little bitty piece of skin on the top of my lip. And I called Amy. I called Christy. I called my brother. <laughs> I said, hey, Bill, I've had Thanksgiving miracle. He said, what? I said, you know that thing on my lip? He said, yeah. I said, Bill, it's gone. The Lord has healed me. He said, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> he said, well, that's wonderful. And I said, yeah. I said, I want you to see it. And we went to his house for Thanksgiving. And I said, Bill, look at my lip. The Lord has healed my lip. And he just kind of nodded in disbelief. And so I wanted to shout it from the mountaintop. I wanted to climb the highest mountain and say, I've got a lip. Because I had looked at everybody's lip for three years. I'd study everybody's lip. And I think, nobody has a lip like mine. But uh, anyway, I thought, I want to shout it from the highest mountain that he is the healer, that he had healed my lip. Now, I might get a little weepy. In 2020, Don, my husband, went to be with Jesus. And he worried so about my lip. And I said, Jesus, would you let Don see my lip? And I know he did. I know he did. And let me just end with this. God is so good. He's only good. And he has blessed me more than I could ever tell anybody. He's everything we sing about. And he said, Sue, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And when you lose your spouse, you just had, Betty's been through it, Sonia's been through it, and probably some of the rest of you. It's just, you can't explain it to anybody. But he said, I won't leave you. And he never has. I had a spirit of fear. I was afraid of my own shadow. I've had Jamie come up and go all through my house in the broad daylight. And me in the house. And uh, he'd say, Sue, there's not anybody in here. But he delivered me from fear. So I live by myself. And, uh, oh, have I gone over my ten minutes? I might have. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just here to tell you that God is good. He's so good. And I think he wanted me to end with he is who he says he is. And I am who he says I am. Thank you. That was awesome. You know, I, people don't understand. Like, everybody in here probably goes, well, God could heal. God could get me out of my situation. You know, and I love what, I love what you know, the family did. They knew the, they knew the trick. You know what the trick is? Romans ten seventeen, that we get faith that our faith is built up by hearing and by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. And what happens is is that typically what ends up we'll we'll say, well, I believe God today, but tomorrow I'm having a problem. 
And see, that's where our faith needs to be constantly being just jacked up by the word. You know, it's amazing to me when I went to Karis, because you can, everybody who went to Karis, I don't know, how, you know if it was just Amy, but if any of y'all went to Karis, I'm going to tell you what. When you get 16, 20 hours a week of nothing but the word, uh, you cannot just w- walk on hell with a water pistol. You can go in there and you can spit on them too. <laughs> I mean, you, you're ready to take on the world. I used to come in and tell Heather all the time. I was like, I was like, the devil is just stupid. And I mean, I, I would just be like laughing at the devil. And it'd be like, you seem crazy. Well, I'm going to tell you what. When you actually realize how powerful God is and how small Satan is and how much authority has been given to us through Christ Jesus, nothing can stop you. So that's the key. I think that was the major thing. When I was sitting there, I was listening to the Holy Spirit, and he said, you were being built through those weeks. It, it was no off time. There was no time for you, to, for you to stop and go, well, maybe, well, maybe, well, maybe. No, no, no. Those, even when you were asleep, God was still putting it in, you know. Amen. That's, that's how powerful the word of God is, by the way. Amen. We've got Vicki that's going to come up and give our testimony. Vicki, do you want to stay down here or do you want to come up on the stage? No. You can stand right here, or you can come stand up here with me. Okay, well then. I know, you don't like the lights. I have, I have had a really, really blessed life myself. And even when I wasn't um, following the Lord as closely as I do today, he was taking such good care of me. Um, so I have kind of arranged my testimony by scripture. And the first one is John three sixteen, which we all know, so I won't have to repeat it. But my mother taught me about God, but she didn't go to church because she was forced to go to church when she was a little girl. So we never went to church. I got baptized with my brother and sister when I was like five or six years old in a Methodist church. But I used to go with my friend Cecilia to church, and it was a Catholic church. So I was drawn to God, but I didn't really... Catholic Church kind of keeps you away from God um, in a way. They confess to a priest, and they have all this doctrine that's just crazy not biblical. Um, But when it came time to raise my children, I raised them Catholic because I had gone to a lot of different denominations, and they just didn't put a line in the sand about the sanctity of life or the sanctity of marriage or anything like that. Um, So... I raised my children Catholic. They were all confirmed. My oldest son became evangelical when he got into high school. And he goes, Mom, I don't know why you're going to that church. And I'm like, well, I said, I taught CCD for 15 years, but I never taught bad doctrine to my kids. And the uh, religious education teacher goes, why don't the kids love your church? I don't know. I just do, you know, I just talk to them about the lesson, whatever. Um, But for some reason, it was middle school kids, and they they liked my I said, David, if somebody's going to learn about God, you know, there's 400 people showing up for four masses every day. 10% of them are going to get, the word's going to get through. And I did know some very godly Catholic people, but it was kind of few and far between. A lot of them were showing up. 
Um, so I don't think uh, I don't think it's a really great religion for developing a relationship with Christ. But I always considered myself a Bible-believing Catholic, and I did read the Word. However, I had a kind of sinusoidal relationship with, you know, when times were good, I kind of didn't think about God too much. And then when I was in trouble, I was like, God, help me out, help me out. And he really always did. Um, so I was born again when I was 19 in a house church. And then this next stage of my life is Romans 8, 28. And um, it's, as, as we know, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that's 8.28, and then 8.39 is nothing can separate us from the love of God. Whenever anything bad happened, then I knew I was going to either learn something from it, or I was going to wind up in a better place, or I was prevented from doing something that was going to be horrible. Um, so that was really a good, um, a good verse for me for these times. And then when I was in my 40s, I read this book by Frank Viola called um, from eternity to here, and I've read every single thing Frank Viola has written. But that really altered my whole worldview, and it really brought home to me that we have Christ indwelling within us. And that's the important thing that I want to tell you, because we have a gift that's so crazy, and so many of us don't even take advantage of it. We have superpowers being a child of God, superpowers. Um, and I I mean, I could tell you lots of stories about cool things that have happened that the Lord has done through me and everything else. Um, but the next thing that I'm going to, uh, the next scripture is John 14, 16 through 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And that's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And 26 is, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So after that, when the indwelling of Christ really hit home, I was all in for Jesus. And um, I did find a non-denominational church in New Jersey in 2012, and I got baptized again. And that was great because it prepared me for the next year, which was the dark night of my soul. I had... I had everything go wrong. I was going through a horrible, protracted divorce. My brother-in-law got cancer. My mother got cancer. You know, I was, I was going to have to move out of the house I'd lived in 22 years. My daughter was a um, communist atheist, thanks to $100,000 worth of college education. So just all kinds of bad things. And I say, if y'all know the footprint story, that year there was one set of footprints in the sand. And there are things I really don't remember. And I had people tell me later, oh, you know, you were so comforting to me when my mom had died. And I'm like, oh, I don't even remember meeting you. <laughs> that was crazy. It was just really, really crazy. However, that is God's refining power because part of tapping into this stuff is that you will be put into a situation where you're like melted like gold or silver and then all the impurities come up to the top and then you're golden after. So I know Dusty and Heather talk a lot about you know your identity in Christ but let's take advantage of some of the benefits of Christ too. Um, I've seen so many miracles in my life and so many um, supernatural events. It's really cool. And um, if you don't have a prayer language yet, Dusty can help you get one. But that just puts the whole thing to a new level. Um, sorry about me. So my next one is um, 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this got me through my refining period of 2013 that I really, honestly, I don't remember so much of it. It's crazy. But God sent angels to me during that time. Um, my, so my next one is Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God is in charge, but he's not in control. If he were in control, we wouldn't have sickness, we wouldn't have human trafficking, we wouldn't have anything bad. So he lets his children take care of things on earth to try to bring the kingdom to earth. So he's not in control, he's in charge. Um, there's some things that he, he does, and the word tells us what he you know, d- dips his finger in on the earth, but he doesn't control our lives. He doesn't predestine us or anything. Um, As people, we want to run things. And we say, oh, I can take care of this. I can take care of that. And I have a friend that told me, well, I don't really pray unless, you know, I I can kind of handle things. And I don't want to bother God unless, you know, something happens. And I'm like, no, he wants to know you intimately. He wants you to ask him to keep the light green or whatever. And he does that for me. And you said he doesn't do anything in the word. They didn't have stoplights in the Bible. So I beg to differ on that. He'll, he'll get me a parking space. He does all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, but the more I let go and let God take care of things, the better things turn out. So if you make your decisions, you're responsible for the outcome. But if you let God make your decisions, the outcome's going to be good because he's always good. He's only good. Um, Matthew 6, 25, 34 don't worry about this world, lilies of the field and the birds. Everybody knows that part. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is my healing story. So I never went to the doctor. I was like, no, I don't need it. I'm healthy. I never had a stitch, nothing like that. And then one day through, God aligned a bunch of stuff. I won't go into it a long story. I go, I guess I better go have a chest x-ray. So I I go have the chest x-ray, and they go, oh, I guess we better have you have a CAT scan. Then I go for the CAT scan, and I go, oh, I guess we better go get this stuff taken out. So there was three weeks between the time they said get it removed and the surgery, and it was lung cancer, and it had grown 50% in three weeks. So literally, if I had waited another two weeks, the story would have been different. But they were able to remove it. I didn't need chemo or anything. And then I'm fine. I'm five years cancer-free. But but more important than that is I never had any anxiety. And I mean, Jeannie and Jack and Joanne and Jeff, y'all, y'all were, you know, knew me when that was going on. And you can tell I, I was not worried about it. I'm like, it's gonna be fine. Because I wasn't leaning on my own understanding, and I knew God had my back. And I saw the movie After Death, and honestly, I wouldn't mind if I die right now, as much as I like my life on earth. But you see that movie, documentary, and it's just great. Um, So I love that he took care of me in that way. Then the next is Ephesians 6.12. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God is the next phrase to that. So I wanted to let you know that spiritual warfare is real, and it causes every illness. It causes every chaos in your mind, your depression, your anxiety, all of that stuff. So I, the en- enemy's doing his best to try to separate us from God. And what's the way to do that? Chaos. Or if somebody says, well, I try to pray, and I just uh, my mind is filled with a million things. Well, that's just the enemy. The enemy's trying to keep you from praying because he knows how powerful it is. If the enemy had known what Christ's death was going to do, he would have kept Jesus alive as long as he could. So I'm going to protect that guy. He had no idea. Um, so here are some of the things that I hope will help you. One of the things is when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is praise God, and I just wake up with a smile on my face because I praise him for everything. He, he's just done amazing things for me. Um, the other thing is try to take just even a minute, 60 seconds, and just experience God's love for you. Just be real quiet and just experience how much he loves you because you'll never get that kind of love from this world. You'll never get that kind of unconditional loving. It's like butter on you or something. It's just so wonderful. Um, the other thing is if you want to hear God's voice, I'm going to give you some handles for that. So get a journal with a pen, sit down quiet, and put your mind on God and just clear it out and concentrate on Jesus, and he'll tell you what you're supposed to do today. So you will hear from God. Some people say, I can't hear from God. Um, The other thing is that there's a spiritual realm that we can pray against, and God relies on us as people to pray in that spiritual realm against forces of, um, you know, like evil rulers and things like that, and war, and there's all kinds of things, human trafficking, um, I, one of the things that God told me to pray for is women that have had abortions to know that they're loved and that they should come to Christ and that they can be forgiven because they hate themselves. Um, and then I pray for Muslim conversion and things like that. So if you're an intercessor, that prayer is very useful. You might not see any good from it, but just pray against that because we fight against principalities. And um, what I live by now is Psalm 37.4, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's it. I have no problem with you praying for, you know, uh, traffic traffic lights and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the thing is, when I'm saying that you pray for something... It's the it's the things that because we have favor, right? How many people know that Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight? Everybody ever read that where it gives you that I'm blessed in the field if I do the things that God that God had told us to do. Well, how many people in here are Jewish or Israeli? Anybody? Maybe some of you guys in the back. Y'all are okay. None of y'all. Okay. Well then. It doesn't apply to you that way. You can go read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and you can have the blessings without the curses. See, Jesus came to be a curse for you. So I just want to let you know, just believe God for any any of the parking spots and believe God for me to get them too. I'm okay with that. <clears throat> so, okay, the next, uh, the next testimony we're going to have is Jason. Who? 
How's it going? Um, my whole life, I was always involved with drugs. And every time I went to Jesus or went to church or accepted Jesus, it was because of getting off of drugs or some type of addiction. And this, and this time, it was different. I had a shoulder operation. And I came to church because I got to be around my family. And about the third time I was here, I was like, you know, I want to worship God today. So I started worshiping God. I started singing. And next thing you know, you just, I just felt the love of God come upon me. And I just started crying. I was like, man, I'm a man. I don't, why am I crying for, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and from that point, you know, how many times do we, do we just listen to something? But do we hear what we're listening to? So the first three times I was here, you know, I was just kind of listening to Dusty. But I wasn't hearing what Dusty was trying to tell me, you know. He was talking about the love of God. And once that happened, it's like things started changing. I think around August, I think it's like the end of August, I was laying on my couch, sleeping on my couch, because at the time I wasn't able to sleep in my bed yet. So I was sleeping on my couch, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I just woke up out of my sleep. And I heard the voice tell me, keep your eyes upon Jesus. You know what happened to Peter. And from that point on, I just got excited. I was like, man, that's never happened to me before. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to go do something for Jesus. You know, I went over to Dusty's house. We sit there and talked. I was like, man, should I quit my job? I want to I I go to Bible college. I'm going to go do something, you know. And it was, I just got just the, the energy of it, you know. But then, you know, I had to calm down. I, I kind of, you know, I, I started learning the maturity of love, you know. Like it says in First uh, John 4, Dusty preached on it. The, the perfect love is the maturity. It's growing up. And as you get into his word, you start growing up in that love. You start maturing in the love. And that's what God was trying to teach me is how to mature and with, with the, through his love. And from that point, it's like I, I was still drinking. You know, I, I, I'm a bit of an alcoholic, but not really. Nine out of ten times, I can have a few glasses of wine, I'm fine. But it's always that one time when I drink too much and I get, like, belligerent, you know. And that night, for some reason, I recorded myself. And the next day, I woke up, kind of blacked out. I don't know what I did that night. It was September 17th, and I sit there, and I listen to myself. I was like, I don't like that guy at all, you know? So I was like, I'm done drinking. And the crazy part about it, I had not a desire at all to have another drink since that day. And then from that point, I started really changing. Next thing you know, I turned the TV off, um, quit listening to secular music, and I just started getting into his word. The hunger for God just came really strong inside of me. And I started learning how the love is the, what filters us. Because you can read in John 4.10 when it talks about Jesus and the woman at the well. That whole story is because Jesus was trying to show her, I can give you something to where you would be satisfied for the rest of your life. You won't need that alcohol. You won't need those five men in your life to satisfy you. He said it would spring up out of you. Like, um, it's kind of like this. I, I, I came up with this message talking about you're either 
a cup half empty, a cup half full, or a cup running over. There's three different kinds of people in this world. You got, the cup on, you got the cup half empty, which is someone that's not a Christian. You got the cup half full, someone that is a Christian, but they're still, it's like a pond. A pond stagnates. You can't drink pond water. But well water you can drink because the well water, the ground, filters that water. And if you look at Ephesians 3.17, you get yourself rooted and grounded in love. So therefore, love is the ground that filters us, that water that springs up out of us, the cup running over. So, I mean, there's a lot of people in this world that, like Dusty said earlier, you got to get past the John 3.16 to get to the John 30 to where it says, he must increase, you must decrease. And that's what kind of boils up out of you, all that junk getting out of you. It's like holding that faucet, holding that glass up under a faucet, and Jesus is the water that's coming into you. And what it does, it gets to the point where there's, like, if you're a cup half full, all that water that's inside that cup would just start flowing out. The next thing you know, you've got a totally new water inside of you. And it springs up out of you. And, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but then, from that point, if you look at the um, Ephesians 3, uh, seven, I think, where it starts. It says, God wants to grant you. And if you look at that, that won't means wish, and the grant is give. I wish to give you this, but you have to go up, and you got to get it. You know what I'm saying? You got to get into that word. You got to do the Hebrews 11, 6, I think, and to please God, to please him, you have to... Um, by faith and believe, and diligently seek after him, and he will reward you. So when it says, I want to give you this, I wish you to have it, you got to diligently seek to get it from him. you got to put forth that effort to get it from him. And, um, hey, this is my first time. <laughs> yeah, look, I've been preaching like this every night. I'll be up all night just sitting there reading the Bible and preaching that Bible every night for like over two months now. I've been so excited for this day. I've been, I've been practicing in my car, been doing all this stuff. I'm not knowing where I'm going with it all, but, man, it's been a lot of fun. If you turn that TV off and start getting into that word, Man, that just starts changing you. But then, then you can go to Second Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter one, and it talks about God's promises for you. It's that His promise for us is get out of this corruption of this world's lust. And there's eight things that you can that that you got to diligently do inside your life. It's like I don't know who said this, but I heard if you have nothing to stand on. That is when you get defeated. And at the end of 2 Peter 5, I mean 2 Peter 1, you will see you shall never fall. But as you do these eight things, which is uh, faith, you got a diligency to have that faith, to put forth the effort to have that faith. From faith is virtue, and from virtue is living that excellent life. And from virtue is knowledge. 
you got to get the knowledge of God. And from knowledge, it's temperance. And temperance is a, a self-control. It's a discipline in your life. And then from temperance, it's godliness. And godliness is a respect to God. And from godliness, it's brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness is patience. I kind of got that out of order, but they're all there. <laughs> and from uh, patience, it's, it's charity, which is love. And if you put these things inside your life and, and diligently or put forth the effort and to put those things inside your life, it says you won't be the blind guy that can't see afar inside your life. It, um, you can, um, it says uh, you, you should never fall at the end of it. You will not fall. Because what you're doing, you're putting something inside of you that you can stand upon. So, therefore, if you don't have nothing to stand on, you're going to get defeated in life all the time. And once you get something to stand on, then, therefore, you're not going to get defeated no more in life. I'm going to end it on that, but I can go farther with it. But. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. Jason has blessed me so much. I'm going to tell you. I... I will tell you that, you know, being his cousin, I've, I've seen Jason all of my life. And Jason is in that place where God is going to start using him. Man, he's about to start preaching. You may actually see him up here doing some preaching. I may, I may give him a, some Sundays and say, just have at it, brother. Because there's something on the inside of him. Amen? You know, Romans 12, I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a dividing line here because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that can be faith in Jesus, but that also can be faith in other things. And what we have to understand is just like in the book of John, there's a lot of people that are, uh, we running in, in with circles of people who are, gra- they call themselves the grace people. And they talk about how God gives us faith. And he does because in Romans 12, uh, 3, it says that, that don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because every man has been given the measure of faith. And see, that's the measure of faith that you got saved with, okay? Now, you guys can get saved and people get saved all the time, but this is the problem is that if we don't renew our mind and we don't start doing what James says where he says that that by our works, see, I got to do something. I got to turn that TV off from time to time. And, and I've got to, and I'm not saying you can't watch any TV. I'm not saying you can't go to the movies. I'm not saying you can't do things. Okay. But the works is that I got to put in some work. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That has nothing to do with your salvation, by the way. We're not even in salvation land. You've already gotten saved. If you're putting in the work, that means that you're renewing your mind, just like what Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, that we renew our mind by the word of God. See, that's work. Sometimes I don't want to, you know. Oh, don't look at me like that. Y'all don't want to sometimes too, all right. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that we need to do what Jason's doing. We need to put the work in. And God will start, it will start becoming easier, right, Jay? See, up front, you're like, man, I don't want to do that. Then after a little bit of time, it's like, man, I want to do that. 
I want to read a chapter. I want to read the whole book. You don't know how many times am I, am I having nothing to do with getting a message together. The Lord just says, hey, won't you go re- read Ephesians or Galatians? And I end up reading all five chapters all in one sitting. And by the way, it doesn't take that long. But see, those are the kind of things that you bring, that, that bring you to that place of, man, I get to see the full revelation. If you just go, well, I'm going to read a chapter a day. How many people remembered the chapter from the day before? Sometimes I have a hard time remembering what happened. I don't even know sometimes what I ate the day before. Okay? So sometimes we need to put the work in. We need to renew our mind. And sometimes renewing our mind means that we need to be still. We need to go through and see the word from start to finish so that we can see the fullness of God, right? Amen. Well, I'm going to give this over to Lindsay. She is going to be our last testimonial today. Uh, you need anything? Right as red, blue as Heather, right? Uh, yes. That's right? Okay. That's a weird saying, but yes. Well, right ear, red. Yes. And y'all, my eyes after 40 has gotten a little weird, but I think that's red. <laughs> It goes around my ear. Okay. I don't need it yet. So, um, okay. So I, um, have been super blessed today by all three of you. I will tell you that this week has been a doozy and you spoke about spiritual warfare and I knew today was going to be an amazing day because I was like, this week is a doozy. Sunday is going to be amazing. I'm going to be blessed. And I was blessed by all three of you. Um, but I was a normal kid. I was a little codependent with mom and um, ever irritating to Dusty because I was whiny. What are little sisters for? Um, But I had friends. I was a cheerleader in in seventh grade. Um, I went and did things. And about 13, I just had this soul-crushing experience. anxiety and depression. And it was so bad that I could barely go to school. I actually, the social anxiety piece of it manifested in me being terrified of the school building falling on top of me. That's the fear. So I would have, sorry, mom and dad, tantra tantrums at 13 in the car when they would drive me to school. I could not handle walking into the school building like it was so terrifying and there was this feeling of just complete dread that took overtook my entire body I have to use my notebook to keep me on track guys um so my parents didn't know what this was they had never experienced depression and anxiety I was 13 I had no clue how to tell them what was going on I did not have the words right So I know they were frustrated, and eventually I got put into the Brookwood Adolescent Mental Health Ward, and um, for two weeks I went, and coming out of that, they put me into homeschool because I, I just could not go to school, and so I basically became a hermit. I did not go anywhere unless it was a family event. Um, If I did go somewhere, I was the oddest kid you ever met. Like, I was so social anxious and insecure 
that if you said one word to me, I'm doing the whole I thing, I don't know where to look, I can't look at you thing, you know, I am the weirdest kid you've ever met. Um, mom would beg me to go places. So this is how weird I was. My favorite thing to eat was KFC green beans. I know, weird. Mom one time begged me, look, all you have to do is get in the car and we will go through KFC's drive-through. She is bribing me with KFC green beans, okay? And I did it because I love them. <laughs> but, um, you know, throughout this, I had been in church my entire life. I had gotten saved. I didn't know Jesus, okay? I'm going to say I truly believe that as a kid, when you get saved, you are saved. But I didn't know Jesus, right? He hadn't, I hadn't experienced him yet. And so while all this was going on, out of bad situations, God can use any bad situation and make something good. And my Aunt Dorinda was going through a really bad divorce, and she had to move out of her house. And so Jason and Dorinda and Jason's brother Chris moved in with us in our basement. And Dorinda, Mom and I are pretty sure she had bipolar. We're, we're pretty sure. I don't know if she was ever diagnosed. We're not really sure, but we're pretty sure she was bipolar. And um, so she understood depression. She understood anxiety. She understood what I was going through. And I'm in homeschool, so during the day, it was me and Dorinda in the house by ourselves. And slowly but surely, she talked me out into coming downstairs out of my bedroom. I didn't even leave my bedroom, guys. She would talk me into coming downstairs and eating lunch. And she, in her adult life, had always sung in churches. And so she started talking to me about music. And she started teaching me um, how to sing. And she would have me take tracks up to my bedroom and learn them and then slowly but surely she talked me into singing for her and so by ourselves I'd sing for her and then um, they eventually were able to go back and move back into their house they um, they got back into their house and she started going to a church in Pleasant Grove and she got me going to spend the night with her she talked me into spending the night with her and go to church and after a while of doing this, on a Wednesday night, we're at church. Church is over. She is taking forever to leave. I mean, and I am sitting, I'm going, you know, I have social anxiety. Just all these people talking and stuff, someone's going to walk up to me and I'm going to have to say something. You know, like, it, it was bad. And eventually everybody was gone except for her and the praise and worship leader. And the praise and worship leader comes and hands me a mic and walks back to the sound booth. And on his way back, he gets an accompaniment track from Dorinda, and it's one that I had been working on, and I had sung for her. And so she comes up to me, and the people that know Dorinda would understand this, but my Aunt Dorinda was very flamboyant, and she always used words like fabulous and things like that. So she comes up to me, and she looks me in the eye, and she goes, you're going to be fabulous. You just sing it. For him, like you sing it for me, is what she said. So, play the music. I sing the song. Honestly, y'all, I have no clue how I even sang the song. I mean, like, even thinking back on it, kind of like what you said, you kind of just, it's like the Holy Spirit takes over and you just do it, right? You just do it. So, I sing the song. Skeet 
and Jorinda were in cahoots, though, because she had already told him that I had social anxiety and that I was going to freak out. So he comes out of the sound booth. He comes down. He hands me the accompaniment track. He goes, you're singing this this Sunday? And he runs out the side door. And I'm like, I am not singing this this Sunday. What are you talking about? Getting up in front of everybody, you know. And Drenda, the rest of the week, is like, no, we're going to pray about it. We're gonna, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I am freaking out inside. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is interesting I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time. Like, um, I'm a kid. I don't, I didn't understand what's pushing me forward, you know? And the Holy Spirit, even that week, is pushing me forward. I'm having anxiety. That feeling of dread is overtaking the entire body, guys. I mean, you are walking on eggshells, right? Just completely thinking, how can I get out of this? But something's pushing me forward too, right? And it was amazing, because looking back on it, it's amazing. Then it was a terrible experience. <laughs> so get there Sunday. It is a different Sunday at the church. I did not know this, but we had people from this other church, Victory, which Dusty's talked about because they went to Victory, come to the church. And so it's a packed house, guys. A packed house. Every seat. And... I'm sitting there through praise and worship, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. There's no way I'm doing this, you know? And then praise and worship ends, and I'm like, <gasps> praise and worship just ended. And then the preacher gets up in praise, and I'm like, <gasps> I'm next. And then he says, we have a special, and I'm like, he's talking about me. And y'all, somehow, I floated up to the front of that church. I don't know how. I don't remember walking it myself. But the Holy Spirit literally floated me up to the front of that church. Music starts. I forgot the first word. What is the first word? It gets to the point where I'm supposed to start singing. Y'all, magically, the Holy Spirit just sang through me that day. That was not me. It was the Holy Spirit that day. Because I had felt 100% worthless. Literally, the lie that Satan had told me was that I was not worth the air that my body took up. Over and over again, that was the lie. You're not going to be anything. You're not going to do anything with your life. You can't go out in public. You can't talk to people. And that is a lie over and over and over again. So... After that Sunday, for about four years, I sang on the praise and worship team. I helped lead youth. It did not miraculously disappear. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, slowly but surely, God helped me out of depression and anxiety. Those of you that know me now know that I am an extreme introvert. I'm a little bit like Tigger. I can be a little annoying. I get it. But I... Slowly, God slowly but surely put me to where I was. And, you know, I will tell you that I think one of my main purposes that God had for me was loving on people. And that's why Satan attacked me in that way. Was because God wanted me to love on people. And Satan was trying to steal that from me. So, there are... Three verses that I have that, and there are many verses that got me through this time, and finally God used to pull me out, but I'm going to talk about these three verses only. 
Um, the first one is Jeremiah 1.5 because I felt worthless and like I should not have been born. And Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctify you. So God chose me, all my faults. It didn't matter what it was. God chose me, and God had a reason for choosing me. And he created me anyway, despite what he knew I might do or not do. The second one is related to the fact that I did not know, I did not think that I would be anything. Y'all, I'm a vice president of Regions Bank today. I could not leave my room, okay? And now I get up in front of boardrooms and I give presentations and I'm standing up here on this stage and I'm talking to you guys. God is good. And so this is Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So he knew me beforehand. He prepared me beforehand for what I was supposed to do in life and who I was supposed to be for him. The last one, and this is probably the one that got me through depression more than anything, is, and y'all all probably know it, it's 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God gave me a spirit of power over depression. God gave me a spirit of power over anxiety. God gave me a spirit of power over self-doubt, a spirit of power over insecurities, and a spirit of power over a school building that I was scared of. Y'all, I am, God used music. God also used Dorinda. No matter what you're going through, one thing I'll say about Dorinda is, and Dusty talks about her, how he used her in his life too. Again, I think she was bipolar. We think she was bipolar and she struggled. But God used her to bless so many people. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you struggle with. Your kindness to other people is God through you and is a purpose. And I, I took that with me. So now I use my depression anxiety against Satan. I, I in my community... I am supporting an organization that goes against mental illness, that is trying to support people with mental illness. I can't share God, like outright share God, but I get to. <laughs> Slyly, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to sing this song because music is a big part of me, and I truly believe that another purpose was singing in my life with God. And, but this song is my walk with God today. This is how I do everything with God because I'm a type A and I'm a planner and I'm a doer and I like to control things and God just needs me to be still. Oh, yeah. Give me one second, guys. Okay, let's go. Oh, that might help.
this. I don't know what that. I see the off and I see the other dot. Oh, it's the other way. Going the right way helps. With God, too, going the right way helps. Sometimes I still try to take control Cause I get scared when I can't see the end And all you want from me is to let go Your parting waters making a way for me Your praise before I bring my need cause there's nothing you've not already seen I rest my heart on all your promises cause I have seen and know your faithfulness your Amen. You know, I, I will tell you this. I've, 
I've been blessed this morning. I've been blessed this morning for a couple of reasons. Now I'm going to get emotional. Uh, because I've seen, I've seen the goodness of God in, in my sister, and I've seen the goodness of God in Jason, and I've, I've seen the goodness of God in Vicki and in Susan. And, and I'm just going to tell you that it causes me to just know more. Like, like I knew before, but I know more. It helps to, to elevate. And it just makes me go, man, I can go spit on hell right now if I need to. Do you know that I, I really believe that there's more testimonies in this church of people who've been touched by God, and I want to hear them. And we're going to do it next we're going, to, we're going to have another Testimony Sunday next month. But I want everybody to know that God is doing good things in each and every one of our lives. And it doesn't have to be big things. It can be small things. But God is doing stuff. You know, if I, Vicky was giving uh, her testimony and she was talking about how hearing the voice of God and being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It is. It's like a shortcut. You know, we used to talk about this when, when we were doing the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit classes that we had here back last year. Do you know that one of the things is, is that God himself in John 10, it says that my sheep hear my voice and they will not father, follow another. You know, you're hearing God all the time. Sometimes you're taking it as yourself. Sometimes you're taking it as, I don't know if that's God. I don't know what it is. But I want you to know that from a testimonial perspective, the things you've heard today, God is doing stuff in each and every one of you, and he wants good things for you. And if you just be still and listen. You know, be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 47, you know, it's just one of those things where I just sometimes just turn everything off. And I just sit on the couch and I just go, you're God and I'm not. You know how freeing that is? You know how freeing it is to say, you're God and I'm not. It means that I'm not in charge. I, I, don't, I don't have to think about the things and figure out all of my life because God gives me a plan and a purpose and that's all I need. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, pray us out. But if anybody needs prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front, but I want everybody to have a great week and I want everybody to think about these testimonies. And think about the good things God has put in your life. That's your homework. Think about the good things God has done in your life. Everybody bow your head. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you that you have a testimony in each and every one of our hearts. I thank you, Father, you've done so many good things. That you're gonna, that Holy Spirit, you're going to bring back to our remembrance all the things that you have done, all the things you've taught us, and that they're going to know in their heart the things that have been you, that, that have a testimony effects in their life. 
the way that they have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And Father, I just pray over each and every one of them as they go out this week that they just are able to just preach Jesus out of the overflow that Jesus is coming into that cup, like Jason said, and is just bubbling over and that it just affects the people that they are around. And Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive in this time of fellowship. as you bless it and sanctify it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed to go to the, the fellowship. If you need anything, I will be down here at the front.